Welcome to the very first episode of a new podcast called Work Stoppage. I'm one of your hosts, John. You might know me from BP Bledis, and I am joined by my co-host, Lena. And I am not from a podcast, but I'm happy to be starting this one with you, John. Um, (laughs) All right. Um, So what we're doing here on Work Stoppage is we are talking about, well, what you might expect Work Stoppage to be about. All of the work stoppages that are going on around the nation, and there's really a lot of them since COVID-19 has been causing lots of problems. And basically, you know, bosses are doing their thing where they don't care about anyone's well-being. So, yeah, we just wanted to have some kind of podcast where we could really zero in on the kinds of things that are directly affecting the lives of workers today in the United States. Uh, Because, as we know, the podcast sphere can often feel like it's just a bunch of people chattering about nothing. And when we got together, we were just like, well, let's, let's chatter about something. So, yeah. well, and I was also shocked just doing like research for this show. If you just Google in like the fucking news tab or whatever, strike or like union or something like that, how many fucking news items are going on at any one given time in this country? And it's like, and abroad as well. And it's, it's really hard to get a handle on those kinds of things. And I think also a part of the reason I like doing this podcast is because it forces me to keep doing my homework about like the, what's happening in the United States right now. Yeah, when we were actually putting all of this information together just for this first episode, uh, we picked a topic and there have been articles and articles like following this particular, um, our, our highlighted thing, and we'll get to that. But we've learned a lot just about like one particular industry but we are actually going to start with um, we're going to be starting with a one that most people have heard of, like a, a work stoppage that uh, has been going on for, oh, my goodness, since I actually don't know how long is the, the fight for 15 been going on. Oh, I got I don't know. Years like now. Years, yeah. And isn't something? it like an, an adaptation of an earlier labor movement? And I mean, it needs to be updated now because 15 is like it, it, that's quite a bit if you live out in the country somewhere but you know workers living in like New York City and and San Francisco and Houston and Los Angeles and stuff 15 oh, yeah, is not, not enough, enough money yeah yeah but i guess uh the ACLU the SEIU and the Fight for 15 have all been working together to help McDonald's workers who are planning a labor action in over 20 cities uh in protest of being told not to wear masks and gloves by management uh, this this actually uh, when we when we were originally looking at this it was planned for um, a day or so after we were looking at it. Okay. Um, right. So so we've we've actually seen what has happened, uh, which uh, this past Wednesday, which would have been uh, May twentieth. Yep. Um, I was opening up the. Uh, <laughs> the um, actual article itself. Oh yeah. Basically, um, there were twenty different McDonald's that went on strike. Uh, at least workers from it. I don't know if those McDonald's were actually shut down. There was not um, any information about whether or not they tried to go on without those workers or right what was happening. But mostly, what they were concerned about was um, PPE. In fact, we're this is going to be something that we're going to see in almost every single. Um, article that we're talking about here basically workers not giving the being given the things that they need to make sure that they don't die at work yeah which you know historically is a pretty good i mean it's a thing that has 
brought up a lot of labor stoppages in the past, yeah. which is people dying at work. People don't want to go to work to die. Well, it's an interesting time to be starting a like labor-related podcast like this, right? Because people will often ask me when I'm talking about union organizing and things, they'll be like, you know, so what are exactly the conditions that like people are fighting for? And I'm like, well, sometimes they need raised wages. Sometimes they're trying to fight like a pay cut. Sometimes they're trying to preserve benefits. But coronavirus has really made it obvious like how many people are getting fucked over in so many different ways when it reaches that head of like, they're not even going to give you gloves and masks or actively tell you not to wear gloves and masks. Yeah, I mean, there were, we saw this, and I think that it's changed a little bit in like very recent times, but I'm sure that there are still plenty of businesses out there where people were getting fired or forced to quit more, more often, which Mm -hmm. that is a, it's a classic tactic is basically create, make your work conditions so bad that you have to quit. And then what you get no unemployment because you quit. Right. That's, um, that's actually their goal. They could just let you get unemployment, but no, they don't want you to, they want to punish you as much as possible for sticking up for your rights. So they're basically saying we have all the money and power and you as laborers, since we don't want to like furlough you or lay you off because then we would have to pay your unemployment into your unemployment or get a PPP grant and pay you part of that. They're just saying instead of that, either come in and die or quit and lose all financial security in your life. Yeah. Um, and ju- I mean, this isn't new. COVID is just highlighting it. Right, exactly. Uh, um, we're, we're seeing it in a lot more places. People were like, oh, I loved my job. I didn't, I didn't think anything was going wrong. And then, you know, suddenly they are not allowed to even protect themselves at work and are basically told to be, you know, fodder for the machine. Yeah, well, I mean, I just got the call from the company that I work for today, a couple hours before we started recording this, and they want me to come back in on June 1st. And since my lot isn't open, they want me to sit in an office with two other people and take keys and move cars around a garage. So I'm 100% certain I'm not going to be given proper PPE or or masks or gloves or, or hazard pay or any of that shit. So yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. I've thought about trying to get my workplace unionized a couple of times, but... It fa- I've talked to you in private about this. It faces a couple of unique disadvantages. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the being isolated is a big part of those, uh, at least your job. Yep. Um, one thing that I I think even kind of relates to the isolation uh, in relation to this McDonald's story is that um, most of the McDonald's in the, at least in our country, probably even abroad, mm-hmm. are um, franchisees right. of the McDonald's corporation. So they can kind of make their own rules. I mean, McDonald's, the corporation, has the ability to say, you must pay your workers uh, you know, or give them uh, sick time. You must give them the ability to call in sick if they're not feeling well. You must provide them masks. Otherwise, you will not get that you will not be able to be a franchisee. But Right. They won't do that. No. They won't do that. I mean, why would McDonald's take a stance uh, on something like that when they don't have to? The whole point of having the franchisee system is so that there's a diffuse web of responsibility and they can avoid as much of it as possible while still making as much money as possible, of course. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really disgusting the way that they have kind of, oh, oh, it's, I, it's not my fault. They're just a franchisee. They've kind of created this... Um, fake barrier between themselves and responsibility 
when really they actually do have control over this stuff. It kind of mirrors in a lot of ways what the federal government has been doing, in, especially in terms of its COVID response, with the state governments. You know, Jared Kushner, as much as came out and said, like, it is not the federal government's responsibility to allocate resources to states that need them. And it's like, well, if it's not your responsibility, then whose fucking responsibility is it, you know? And uh, the answer is that it's been structurally designed out, you know, so that powerful people don't have to lose money or go to jail or face consequences like the rest of us who are poor have to. Right. And I mean, like, these are people with uh, access to really great health care. I mean, McDonald's, I don't even know if they provide um, medical benefits to anyone other than full-time employees. Um, oh, I know I that they're probably re- they're required to for, for full-time employees, but I mean, I know that when I was working at Starbucks, it was like a sub- special thing that they even provided health benefits to part-time employees. Yeah, Starbucks would always like talk themselves up about that. They're like, oh, well, I think that was all a bid to hold off unionization, right? Oh, yeah, they were. Absolutely. They were just like... Starbucks is a trash company. We're just going to be one like one foot ahead of like the horrible baseline of worker treatment in this country and like offer a little bit of expanded benefits and a slightly better base wage than most places do and let you have tips and then like please 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 don't Wait, unionize they offered a slightly better base wage this definitely wasn't while i was no, there that's true not like less than a year ago yeah not not for <laughs> about a year ago not for baristas i mean when you factor in like tips and everything but that's all like that's all sleight of hand trick to make you mm-hmm. like yeah. look away from how badly you're being treated while you work there and like the god awful hours and all of the extra work that it takes to put up with horrible customers and you got to think like people who work at a McDonald's have it even worse than people who work at a Starbucks like if you've ever been in a McDonald's while it was busy it's a fucking madhouse yeah it reminds me of one of my uh the, the things that makes me the most angry uh when you hear people talking about companies especially like CEOs and corporate people are talking about how they provide competitive wages. Oh my the idea God. of a competitive wage is just another one of those invisible barriers that they use to like protect themselves from actually respecting people because they can say, oh, we're, this is a competitive wage because we pay 50 cents more than someone else. We don't pay, <laughs> we don't pay dignity. We don't, we don't give anyone dignity, but we pay 50 cents more. And so that's considered a competitive wage. Yeah, well, and a competitive and, uh, wage is usually just carved out of your benefits too. It's like, oh, we make, you make 15.50 instead of the guy who makes 15, but you don't get dental, you know, or eye care isn't coverage under our, covered our, under our insurance plan or whatever. Yeah, it's it's it like we're going to see this a lot where there's a lot of barriers that are put in place in order to protect the bosses from giving the workers any dignity at all. Yeah. Um and I think that we can go to our next article where we're talking about the, these nurses that are in um Oh yeah. Jersey Shore? Two 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 hospitals along the Jersey Shore line owned by the same company are both getting ready to go on strike. Uh it looks like the nurses union has already authorized a strike vote. Uh and then like I was reading some background on this and it seems like the the company Hackensack Meridian Health is like 
they're trying to act like they're not phased by this. They're, they say, like, it is fairly common for HPAE. Hack and sack. I know, hack and sack. What the fuck? <laughs> but it's literally like the most anti-worker name that I've heard <laughs> in forever. But they said, it's fairly common for HPAE to take a strike vote during contract negotiations. We would prefer to settle these negotiations without unnecessary disputes or delays should HPAE choose otherwise. So they're, like, shifting the blame onto the nurses' union, like, as quickly as they can. Oh, constantly. It's like, you. it's 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 uh strike shaming yeah like how could how dare you respect yourself well how dare you go out and protest for better conditions like that's what we constantly see in fact once we get to our final article we're gonna see how that is affected it affects even people's communities yeah. and what it's it's truly disgusting go go ahead but, um, yeah no no no. it's good but they just said um they have it we have a comprehensive strike contingency plan so our patients will continue to receive the safe quality care they expect from hackensack meridian health like this this faux looking out for your patients when you're really just looking out for your ability to rip off your patients is so fucking sickening to me like you think the nurses union doesn't realize what a toll it's going to take on sick people in their area if they stop working for a few days you think they make that decision lightly you know it's like it's just so disrespectful to the actual health professionals who are out there on the floor every single day working their asses off for not enough money to just be like oh you know asking for ppe and threatening to strike over it is actually like woefully irresponsible for you to do but but we can but we but we've done enough we've clapped for them we clap for them every single night we we go out we open the windows and we clap for them that's right right. every night i open my windows (laughs) and i get shouted at by all my neighbors because of how loud i clap for the healthcare workers and i mean not not to be outdone <laughs> that's what they need the canadian government flew a bunch of fucking jets across the country from the east coast to the west coast of canada and on the way to the end of the west coast one of the jets fell out of the sky and crashed into a house that's how I'm we say that thank that you. happens all the time and, though yeah. those jets are those jets are death traps yeah, there's no reason they should even exist yeah they should definitely be disassembled and scrapped for parts to make tractors and 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 grain silos out of i absolutely agree yeah um i i think that we're gonna see a lot more health worker strikes um oh I'm, yeah I'm expecting that, especially in uh, assisted living homes, uh, retirement facilities, we're going to see a lot yeah, more well, strikes because those are some of the most dangerous places. They're, the people that they're taking care of are going to die. Well, it's so surprising and, to me. Like I saw some kind of statistic today that was like, like a, a, what is it? Like we have, I need to look this up before I continue. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the U.S. is ramping up to almost 100,000 coronavirus deaths and like a shocking number of those occur in assisted living homes like a hundred thousand isn't that the number that they said that if we did a really good job that's the number that we would get to like if if we did such a good job at at getting everyone to stay at home and that like we would see a hundred thousand deaths and that would be the you know the maximum yeah that would be the maximum like the what was the death toll of the civil war hold on uh, let me take a look here. I love looking up statistics. It is this my favorite is thing. Fun. New estimate raises civil war death toll. Oh, they're trying to cover up that the coronavirus could be as bad. Um, 618,000 people died in the civil war. So right now, coronavirus oh, has, has killed one-sixth almost one seventh, we'll say, of the number of yeah. people that the civil war killed. But if you look at the fucking like epidemiology 
of it, the fucking viral history and the science, the science of how these viruses spread. Like the second wave of the Spanish flu killed like what, like 16 times as many people as the first wave. And it's hard to even break this thing up into discrete waves because it keeps mutating. We're never, we're never sure if people can get reinfected or not. So I, I always like to, to err on the side of you will, you can get reinfected because there's, it's just the safer way to play it. Well, it depends Um, on how quickly mutating it is, but it all, it all highlights like how important like labor organizing is in the United States now more than across the world now more than ever because like now everybody's job is as dangerous as like the dangerous jobs we quote unquote think about, you know, coal mining or roofing yeah. or whatever. Like It's like on the uh, National Geographic channel, it's like the the deadliest jobs is literally like someone handing a McDonald's bag out the window. Yeah. <laughs> you see that the nurses there just like trying to get an IV in someone's arm. Like these are the deadliest jobs now. Yeah. I mean, like, especially if you work in healthcare, I feel like you do have the deadliest job in America, right? Like just keeping viral transmission and bacterial transmission down in hospitals is already a, a Herculean task. Like the fucking, the, the layabout do nothing janitor from scrubs. That's a myth. The cleaning crews in hospitals work their asses off to keep people from getting like contaminated and, and infected with shit. And I can't imagine what it's like to be them right now. And that's the other thing too, is like, this is just the nurses union that we're talking about. What about the hospital cleaning staff who are probably contractors or subcontracted out? You know, what about all of the other people who keep these places running and who are now exposing, you know, their lives, risking their lives at at an increased degree. It almost makes you think like we need some kind of like, I don't know, national guarantee of, of a base minimum of working conditions. And if your conditions cannot fit within those margins, you're guaranteed some form of hazard pay. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that, um, we can refer to that as what an irreducible minimum standard. Yeah. Like the basically socialism, but for your job. Yeah. Well, I mean like, yeah, there's so many questions about how you would handle it. But at least within the current system, it seems like pushing for a bigger part of what the employers are essentially skimming off the top, especially when it comes at the cost of lives, you know, this starkly, like it was pretty stark before, but the coronavirus has made it like black and white. Like the contrast is all the way up on this issue right now. The contradiction is never going to be more heightened. I want to point out, especially uh, that they, the, the company that uh, is employing these these nurses was prepared to for this strike. They say, "Oh, they strike every time, right before yeah. the contract." It's like, of course they do. That's when they that's when they have the most power, and especially right now, it is right to strike when you have the most power. Yes, because you need your conditions better bettered if you are not striking at the right moments. Like, say, "Oh, everything's fine. We're gonna strike now." It's gonna not give you everything that you want but right now they need these nurses they this cannot um stand that they're striking yeah they need to give in to these nurses demands immediately well and that's the thing is it's like i know that it feels like people have an instinctive kind of like moral objection to that right they're like shouldn't i not be an opportunist you know that's how they're going to think about it like oh i'm just opportunizing on this and the the short answer the short and mean answer is uh if you don't do it your boss will and in fact 
you have they're to do it. it. The they're doing it all the time, right? They're not going to let this crisis go to waste. They're going to pounce on it and they're going to use it to strip away as much as they can from you and maybe even let you die. So, like, you have to do it now. If if you want to stand up for for rights in your workplace, you you have to make that move now. And like there are other unions, there are other resources out there, mutual aid networks out there who are willing to help you, but it takes a lot of work to reach out to them and and like I know, but like this the iron is hot, you know, the the crises of capitalism are are bursting at the seams. Um yeah. I think that well and one thing that I learned cuz I was actually part of a uh a union um movement where we were unionizing a shop Mm -hmm. and what i found was that one person was thinking about it one person was like oh maybe we should unionize and what did they do they sent messages text messages to the three or four people that they knew that they could trust not to say anything right and within two years we had gotten a union in that shop yeah that rules like that it may feel like two years is a really long time but there are people who were fighting for unions for 10 15 years before they got their unions who still don't have their unions. It is important that you are that person who says, huh, maybe we should unionize the shop and we should, I should look into like, how does unionization work in this industry? Is it retail? Is it, is it healthcare? Is it anything like you can actually find examples? And like John said earlier, you can just google union you can google strike and you're gonna find tons of news about this stuff yeah you'd be shocked i mean like shortly after i started recording beep beep lettuce uh, a couple of people reached out to me that were union organizers and invited me out to an event in pittsburgh that i would have never even fucking known was happening if i hadn't just suddenly been plugged into like you know like leftist and labor like politics like that. So you'd be surprised how many people you can find if you just like reach out real quickly. And they don't even well, have to be people you, who have a radical background, right? Like when you organized your shop, it was with a bunch of like very normal everyday people. Yeah. I mean, like I wouldn't say, I would say that I was easily the most radical out of yeah, everyone. I would agree. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, like that didn't stop us. I mean, like we had like it was, actually expected that we would lose right basically everyone thought we were going to lose but when that vote came through i you won't believe the relief like when you actually win and then i think that the real magic is when you get to sit across the table from this the um corporate overlords and you get to tell them that they better shape in the shape the fuck up (laughs) and like do what we want because like seriously we're we're not going to stand for this shit. No, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's a that's a lever of power that like workers in the United States don't even realize how much they wish they had it, you know? Because it seems unthinkable to us under this system. Like I think out of all the jobs I've ever worked at, one of them has ever been a union place and I didn't even work there for more than a week and a half before I, they got my piss test back and it had weed in it and they were like, Oh, we can't hire you. And I was like, you already did. And they were like, well, now you're fired. Cool. Um, (laughs) but that was the only union place I ever worked. So I don't have like a, a lot of firsthand experience. Um, and it seems alien, right? Cause like how, what percentage of shops in the United States are unionized something insanely low? Like, yeah, it's not it's not a lot. In the honestly, low teens? the the union rate I don't think it's that high, honestly. Wow. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I I think that you the goal of a union is actually to hardly even recognize that it exists. You're able supposed to be able to do your job and feel comfortable. You're supposed to actually be able to work safely with good pay, good benefits. That's like if you could not if you could have a union so good that you don't have to worry about them, that would be amazing. Right. The thing is that the the actual conditions that we live under make that impossible because you will be fought tooth and nail by these corporations and these bosses every step of the way. Yeah. And they will never let you forget that you are standing up for yourself. Like they because they hate it. Well, and it's like crazy hate it. when you see the relief in workers when they finally get a job that's part that has like a strong union backing them or they unionize their workplace that wasn't previously unionized. Like I see this post that Alex does from Minion Death Cult every once in a while where he takes a photo of the grievance form he's about to turn in and he's like, it's pretty cool that there's just a piece of paper I can fill out and then this company has to give me more money. Uh, and like that owns and you don't get that kind of negotiating. I, I think cause he's a teamster, right? Like the teamsters are a big and, and like there are problems with that union, but they're a big and tough and historical and well-respected union. And having that in your corner makes a ton of difference. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I would advocate for, you know, one big union personally, but yeah. Uh, or like a, that's, con- that's- a confederation of smaller or like a, a federation of smaller unions that has like, like, like a Soviet of Soviets, but for unions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, that's, that's what I kind of think, but I, I don't know. I, I love yeah. it. Um, yeah. So speaking of places that might unionize that have, um, lab- like movements going on that don't have, uh, Unions. Right. Uh, we're actually going to get to our main story today, which is actually about um, fruit packing workers and them fighting to uh, get two dollars more an hour and PPE. This is this is, and this is wild that they're they've been striking for I'm pretty sure a couple weeks now. That's so and crazy. They have not they they were offered one month of one dollar raise. So like a temporary raise that would be yeah. revoked after like 30 days. That, does, that doesn't do anybody any good, right? Like the whole point of a raise even being worthwhile is that it's a permanent increase in your income. And yeah. they're literally asking for so little on top of that. They're like, I just literally need you to double the raise, make it like last longer than a month, like as long as COVID is happening and yeah, give me a mask they're, they're and gloves. Still- they're still calling it hazard pay, so it would be basically during the duration of COVID where there is a risk of... And we've seen meat packing plants have these huge issues. Yes. And these fruit packing plants also are like breeding grounds. They're, people are so close together. The actual conditions that they work in uh, are are very dangerous and very likely to spread COVID. I yeah. mean, well, we saw this going around with the meatpacking plants like a, a few weeks ago, right? It was like there's an epidemic in coronavirus cases just among USDA meat inspectors. Like that was the that was the level of how bad it had gotten, and it makes sense because yeah, it's like you're basically elbow to elbow with your coworkers when you're working in places right. like this, right? And so, um, in the Washington in Washington State, there are six fruit packing plants that are on strike right now. And the one that we really wanted to highlight is the Allen Brothers meat, or I mean, uh, fruit packing plants. 
where they actually, uh, the workers were out striking and someone decided to drive by and threatened to go get a gun and shoot them because <sighs> they were being ungrateful. Very normal, and you wanna- very American, just like red, white, and blue behavior right there. You know, that's yeah. the all American Washingtonian. I don't know. What are people from Washington called? I'm not entirely certain, but I mean, like, I think that when you read into it and who, who should be grateful? Uh, in fact, in the article, it said the person said, oh, the Mexicans should be grateful. Like to say that these, that these people are second class citizens to say that these workers deserve less because of where they've come from it is the most demeaning and, and in my opinion, disgusting, just absolutely atrocious way to live your life as a person yeah well and it's just like you at that point you must have such an internalized like i don't know like like uh, infatuation with the logic of capitalism and and like all of the cultural baggage that comes along with that that you actually think that the appropriate response to seeing someone who has risked their life just to be here and have this job and you're like, oh, they're ungrateful for this. I should threaten them with a gun for being so, I don't know, uppity. It, it's a, it really is like you said. Oh. You said it when you said second class citizen. That like that's the attitude that these people have towards these workers. Yeah. Well, and like this person, they was they he was released because he's like, oh, I don't even have a gun. Well, I mean, he was actually. Uh, you know, actually convicted of shooting at people before. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's neither here nor there. He's just some white guy who got away yeah, with he being got super let go racist and by threatened. the white yeah. cops in town who probably have dealt with him before and have cute little nicknames for him and everything and let him get away with tons of shit that they would immediately arrest a black or brown person for and chuck them in jail. Right. Um, but even with the threats of violence, the company has not budged. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and uh, the inspection of their plants is still pending, so we don't know if it's if they've really done something to try and uh, make things better, safer for the, the workers. Although I'm I'm gonna say that probably not. I would be uh, incredibly surprised if they did anything other than like set up cardboard cutouts of the company owner with like helpful tips from Dave Allen or whichever fucking yeah. Allen brother owns that place. Yeah, uh, they're the cleanest they've ever been. Yeah, that's what, that's what, <laughs> that's what <laughs> oh, finally a clean fruit processing plant. Yeah, um, but yeah, they're they've been out there striking, and this company I couldn't find if they had any history of labor movement, uh, like labor stuff going on. But even just in this particular one, they're they've had a, a grievance filed against them for even that one because they. What happened was the company offered that $1 for one month, and they did it. They didn't actually just offer it. They literally went through with it. Oh. And so what they, what has that has caused is um, it assumes that it was to quell the uprising, basically. Right. And that it was um, basically a bribe to stop people from unionizing, from doing these worker actions, and that uh, there's actually a grievance filed against the company for that, and I'm I'm very happy to hear that because um, the union that's helping these people, uh, uh, Familias Unidas por la Justicia, right? Yep. Um, 
and um, they have filed this grievance on behalf of the workers. Um, and that's awesome. I was just looking at their website, and it looks like they do a lot of good work. Uh, they got a contract for the workers at Sakuma Bros Berry Farm uh, in 2017, which expired in 2019, and I haven't seen any follow-up on that. But just glancing over the contract, like it looks like it covers all of the baseline shit for like making sure that these workers are taken care of and can't just be like fired on the spot for no reason or have their wages garnished um, or anything like that. Yeah. And it's always impressive when you see a, a like farm workers unionized considering they're not actually protected by the NLRA. Yeah. That's something that you were telling me and that was really blowing my mind uh, before we were on mic was that, f- and I, I looked it up. It, it's, it's, the internet will even tell you like most, if not close to all farm workers are in a job designation that offers them very, very little federal protections of any kind. Yeah. There's a, there's a list of different jobs that basically you can't unionize under the standard unionization process in the United States, which is um, outlined by the NLRA, the national labor relations. um, That's so crazy. Um, And that agreement um, actually is what creates the NLRB, which is what everyone hears about the the board that decides whether or not you can unionize what the whose uh, grievances are going to be heard and whose grievances are going to be um, upheld. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that's a um, that board is appointed by governors and the president. Yeah. So well, it is one of those things where uh the president matters a little bit. Yeah, well, it's um, like Trump has been packing the NLRB with uh, like incredible like right-wing stooges and everything for the last 4 years too. So, uh I can't imagine that that that's an institution that even has a semblance of like normalcy anymore. Yeah. I remember when uh he was when uh Donald Trump was about to get elected we actually, the NLRB ruled on the grievances at the company that I had been working at. Okay. Um, like literally the day before the election because they feared a shift in the NLRB and they basically said, yeah, absolutely. They're guilty of literally everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, they sent but, like a higher dude to like bust oh, up your union who was just like a straight up thug. Yeah. Straight up thug. I remember you telling me all about that guy. Yeah. He, the way that that all went down was basically they they lock you in a room and they force you to hear anti-union propaganda, but they just want you to make your own decision yeah, and be informed. And, uh, They're teaching the controversy, to borrow an old creationism in schools uh, turn of phrase. Yeah. Um, it's actually literally holding employees hostage. Yes. And, for, and forcing them to fight each other the whole idea is is that then we would fight each other so that we couldn't get the union fuck them we got the union well that's the other thing Um, that's happening at this allen bros place right because they have 350 employees and uh, as of uh the thursday that this article was printed on only 34 were on strike because even though it has very broad support among the workers a lot of them just simply cannot stick out a two-week strike you know they they don't have the money to pay their rent and buy groceries and you know how much these workers are getting paid on average they're getting paid about eleven dollars these wow. these people who are who are lit, like fat like industrial factory workers 
are getting about $11 an hour. It's I saw the the ads for these jobs said um, anywhere between 9 and $18 is technically what people can be oh, paid. Oh, yeah, but you know that means between like 9 and ten fifty in practice. Right. Um, when I was actually looking at the wages that people were, were reporting that they had, it was generally not over $12. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Because usually the they do like a little striation among the, the workers. They'll be like, oh, we pay the hardest working like three guys an extra couple bucks an hour. And then that's the carrot on the stick that keeps everybody thinking, oh, if I work hard and make the boss happy... I can be one of those $12 an hour guys and then maybe make the improbable leap to $16 an hour middle management someday, which is just it, not going to fucking happen. Yeah. Uh, while we're telling jokes, I want to talk about their, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, their, their company uh, description of uh, how they actually, how they are a big family. So oh, when no. they're describing their company on their website, this is really great. They the first thing they do is they talk about their really great managers. They set super high expectations and goals. This is what this is what good companies do. They have managers that set super high expectations and goals. I know that um, when as if I were ever a parent, the way that I would get my kid to like get their shit roughly together and be kind of a good kid would be to set incredibly high goals like you must be as good at composing as Bach by age 10 you must be as good at performing you know violin as uh, Paganini by age 12 and this is a really great example because they are a family at at Allen Brothers employees are like family and treated as such (laughs) they are treating their employees like family John did you know that them not paying hazard pay is what you would do to your family I mean it's unfortunately true, I think, actually. And it just really, it really belies the fact that maybe treating people like a family isn't such a good thing when plenty of families out there are horribly abusive and dysfunctional and get each other into all kinds of messed up shit. Like maybe, maybe instead of saying we're like a family, you could be like, we're like a loving family that actually takes care of each other and looks out for each, but then you would have to eat your no, words every time here. you don't give it them a pay increase. Here. I know, I know, yeah. I know. I'm, get, I'm getting non-canonical with it. I'm yeah, thinking outside um, the box. With, I'm trying to live you know, moss, Lena, for God's sake. Right? We're, we're, we're going to do it. Uh, uh, with high expectations comes plenty of fun and, uh, wait, wait, plenty of fun and incentive programs as well. <laughs> they've got they've got company script right in there. I know. I know. It. When I think of fun, <laughs> I think of incentive programs. Like, remember <laughs> when you would be in an after school program and they would be like, "We need you to sell these fucking flowers door to door, and you can you can earn a Game Boy." That would always be like, "Yeah, I'm definitely going to do thirty hours of mindless labor for a Game Boy." That's what I'm fucking talking about. <laughs> I w- you know I wonder about those like how- who is really making the money on that? Oh, de- definitely the the corporate sponsor slash tie in people. Yeah, it's all a big money sink, and it's like it's advertising as well. It keeps their brand on people's minds. How else are you going to sell a novelty Angry Beavers clock radio? I'm dating myself a little bit here, but Angry Beavers clock <laughs> radio. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. And I mean, basically it's just a standard like company bullshitting. I mean, if, if you really treated your family this poorly, 
I would hope they'd kick you the fuck out of the family. Yeah. Help. Uh, the, it's like that post that went around where it was like the, the Dom whose subs had unionized, but instead it says like help 45 M dad. My family has unionized. They want me to stop throwing the dishes against the wall and yelling at them over nothing. What do I do? Reddit like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, <laughs> leading leading up from all of that, I decided I would check out like what what their benefits were, and um, so they they provide medical, dental, and vision insurance plans, right? Right for eligible for eligible for eligible employees, employees which is always oh, yeah. uh, everybody's yeah. favorite turn of phrase <laughs> in the corporate world. Yeah, because uh, I'm sure that people who are getting underpaid are having their hours uh, cut are definitely you know not in the list of people who are eligible employees. Yeah. Well, or they're just like um, being fucked around even more like disingenuously than that. Like when I got hired at the company I work for, they told me that they had insurance for all their full-time employees so that they didn't get a fine. They didn't get fined by the ACA or whatever. And, uh, then whenever I needed medical treatment, I was like, Oh, you'll have to get in touch with my employer about my insurance. Uh, and I don't have any fucking insurance. So they just straight up lied to me. They were like, here's some insurance. It ain't much. And then it turns out it was actually just fucking nothing at all. Super cool. Oh, I love that. I wouldn't be able. And then like, you know, you have a lot of these agricultural workers or like industrial, they're kind of on the line at, at places like Allen bros, I guess. But like, these are, precarity workers in a lot of cases like this is the only job in that area that's available to them whether it's because of like immigration status or you know other reasons or just general racism in hiring practices in the area um and so like they don't they don't have other choices like it's it's either this or they have to go somewhere else to find work yeah i honestly i'm i think that these workers are like I'm so happy that they're out there fighting for their even just two dollars, and I I kind of feel bad because I really feel like they should be they should be like we need a five dollar raise. Yes, absolutely. But of course, but of course, you know, as soon as you come out with that message, you get more people driving past and threatening to shoot you yeah. because they we literally have trained our communities to fight against labor and it's this capitalist mentality that's literally ingrained in us this individualism where if you are getting if you have a bad job that's your fault that's it that's not that's not your boss's fault that's your fault and this it's so disgusting the way that that sort of thing is put onto the workers and i for one really object to the fact that you know people who are in the positions that they're in are being held accountable for the fact that all of the 45 year old men in their lives have read atlas shrugged and other ayn rand books and really taken them to heart and now there's like a whole fucking culture of shaming workers in the united states like if you've ever worked a fucking service industry job, you know what it's like to come face to face with people who feel entitled to like your absolute fucking best performance and like a, a, a pampering at the hands of these customer service workers. And that's not even what these people are. They work behind the scenes in a in a in a on a fucking fruit packing floor that's ju- where they're just interacting with other people at the company, and it's still enough for random people from the community to be like, "I can't believe you want two dollars more an hour and a mask." It's like, motherfucker, I should be asking you to double my wages right now, like straight up. Absolutely, yeah. 
Um, and I think that one of the things that what we might be able to do, I mean, I don't know. Uh, this is just a thought. Uh, I've got a phone number here. It's 509-653-2625. It's 509-653-2625. That is actually the no- the number for the company, for Allen Brothers. And if you, if you wanted to, you could call them and say that they should give in to the workers' demands. Yeah. Get, give them that $2. I mean, if you're give them a sitting around in quarantine, you could theoretically, and this is not a call to action, but you could theoretically sit around doing it all day. You could even make yeah. a little recorded message and hook it up to an auto caller and have a little VPN using an IP switcher, and you could just run that baby all day without even looking at it. I, I do highly suggest that like these you're probably going to get a secretary and like try to be nice to the to the work cuz you know they're going to be workers too. Yes. You can actually get the boss on the line. If you, you can know, that's if you if you can if, sweet talk the secretary into giving you the extension directly to the boss's phone, now you're cooking with some gas. Like pretending to be theoretically things that might work would be like pretending to be some kind of contractor, uh pretending to be some kind of health inspector or other um, government official, you know, I definitely wouldn't recommend that you do these things, but they are theoretically possible. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a risk that you really shouldn't take. Well, yeah, I would uh, say, uh, you know, and while we're talking about not taking risks, something that is very unrisky is me telling you that if you want to contribute any money to Familias Unidos por la Justicia, sorry for the way I butchered that, uh, they do have a website that we'll put in the show notes and they are accepting donations. Um, so I'm, I'm oh, sure absolutely. every little bit helps and you would know that your, your fucking beer money or your weed money or whatever it is, is going to a slightly better cause than just getting you fried on your couch. Don't get me wrong. I love getting fried on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's uh, important, especially in these times where we're kind of stuck inside. Getting fried on the couch is basically an act of radical self care, but helping out <laughs> familias unidas por la justicia is an act of radical mutual aid. Hmm? So pick your poison oh, carefully. That's what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Um, well, I think that before we wrap up, we kind of wanted to get to one last story. One last little um, thing. Which I'm actually going to let you do this one because I know that you are absolutely thrilled about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, here, let me, get it, let me get it pulled up in my browser here. So, yeah, we have one more thing that we wanted to talk about. I guess it's not it, – it's like labor-related. Uh, yeah. labor, adjacent. labor adjacent. This is a post from the Oklahoma City Police Department, uh, and it's just two photos of a man uh, who's walking through a store. He's got a hoodie on over like a work shirt, and it says, so this theft is a little bit different. This man walked into a convenience store near Britain and Broadway and was able to convince the store clerk that he was there to take over the shift for her. He was even wearing a shirt with the store's logo on it. Once behind the register, he continued checking out customers for several minutes before ultimately locking the door, stealing all the money, cigars, and lottery tickets, and fleeing the business. Suspect was seen driving a blue mid-90s Chevy Suburban. Crime Stoppers tips, phone number, etc. That yeah. is so fucking badass. <laughs> I love it. Well, and I, for one, I love relieving the former employee of duty. Like, you know, always like... Go go and do work for someone. You know these people are working hard enough. In fact, tell them not to clock out. Yeah, tell them to co- come back in an hour or two, and <laughs> then they can clock out. I really, I I think that that's really a very noble thing to do. And then literally robbing the store, 
props. Yeah, pro- props to the dude. I mean, I'm just impressed that he figured out a way to get the store empty with nobody else in it. So he never had to threaten anybody. He never had to do anything except just steal a bunch of fucking potential corporate profits. It has kind of the same energy. Uh, on Beep Beep one time, we covered a, a story about a guy in northern Michigan who went behind the counter at a Subway sandwich shop inside of a Walmart or a Target or something. Oh, yeah, and, I love that. And he just started making sandwiches for people, ringing people up, giving them sandwiches, and then he made himself a sandwich, swiped $20 out of the cash register, and walked away after about a half hour. And if you're going to commit a crime... Commit the most badass crime. And that's th- it's like... Seriously, there's, it's like the dude was... There was an explosion that he was walking away yeah. from. It really was that And cool. he never <laughs> even looked back at it. He was like, I got my meatball six inch. I got my $20. I got my Jackson. I'm ready to go. Uh, and, and that's the energy that I really aspire to. Or like the energy of closing up the store and stealing not just the money, but also the cigars and the lotto tickets. Like lotto tickets isn't really a smart move because those are all federally tracked. You will get caught. But cigars, fuck yeah, bro. I hope you make a ton of money reselling those. Yeah, it uh, reminds me of uh, the energy of one of my friends who was a manager at a store. And what she would do is she would just about an hour before close, she would dim the lights and <laughs> basically. Oh yeah, I know this story. <laughs> when she was when she was telling us the story, we were like, wait a minute. You literally just closed early because you weren't feeling like it, and she said, "Well, I didn't technically close. The door was the doors were unlocked. I left. The, I actually did leave on time, but <laughs> I, I did discourage people from coming in. And I was like, this is the most awesome thing that I've ever heard. Just like close early. Yeah, and I yeah, it's a good way do to it. do time theft. Essentially, you're like you still get paid for that hour. You can read a book or you can do your work without That's having the, to I, rush or like you know." Whatever needs that's to be not done. Time theft. That's that's getting that's getting your earned your earned wages back. Oh, that's true. That's true. Well, time theft is good uh, to me. Like theft is just generally good if 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 you're not robbing other working class people. That's how that's true. That's how I feel about it. But Absolutely. we'll save the nuanced discussion of class relationships and theft for another time. If you have anything funny like Mimi or or posts from like idiot police accounts on facebook or anything you want us to cover please go ahead and send it to us uh we don't really have a an internet presence for the pod right now well we could just do uh your twitter handle my twitter handle that's true uh i'm yeah so what is what is yours i'm at facebook villain on and twitter yeah and i'm at solidarity b all one word uh like b is in the in the flying insect b-e-e and uh this has been work stoppage. Yeah, the, the uh, very in the most inaugural episode, the first one. Yeah, thank you all for listening. And uh, yeah, we don't have a Patreon or or bonus episodes or anything <laughs> like that yet. But if you guys like the show um, and you keep listening, and I, I see big number go up on the analytic thing, uh, we'll start expanding out. But thanks for checking out this very first episode, and uh, I think we're gonna play some kind of music now. Yep. Sounds good. All right. Should we do like some kind of sign off? Like signing off, Lena. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think okay, so. Okay, good. Um, Let's never do that. All right. <laughs> it's not the energy reeling, nor the lines in your face, nor the clouds on the ceiling, nor the clouds in 
blanket of thirst It's not the hunger, really 